0: Welcome to the RPS Pharmacine Podcast, our regular podcast that takes a fresh look at the pharmacine with guests from the world of pharmacy and beyond. Now, please welcome your host.
1: Hello, and welcome to the RPS Pharmacine Podcast. My name is Kira Duffy, and I am a member of the English Pharmacy Board. This week, I'm very excited to welcome Gillian Renouf to the podcast. Gillian studied pharmacy and subsequent masters at the University of Brighton, working as a hospital pharmacist before joining LA Lilly as a technical pharmacist and has remained as a pharmacist working in industry ever since. Gillian is head of quality UK and Ireland for Novartis and UK Sandoz and is the chair of the RPS Qualified Person Assessment Panel. Gillian, a very warm welcome. Hi, Kira. Lovely to see you. So, Gillian, you started your career in hospital pharmacy. Can you tell us a bit about your journey to becoming a pharmacist working in industry?
0: Yes, Kira. It's funny because I never planned to work in industry. I was set on becoming a hospital pharmacist and chose a pharmacy course where there was a very active clinical element. At the time when I was thinking about being a pharmacist, the only information I had access to was hard copy booklets. And at the time, the only pictures I ever saw of a pharmacist in industry was associated with animal toxicology. And being an animal lover, needless to say, that wasn't an area that I thought I would go into. I now realise how inaccurate my understanding of opportunities in industry were at that time. But Being a little bit cautious, I chose to do my pre-reg in hospital and industry. And I was so inspired by my dedicated, professional and committed hospital pharmacist colleagues that I worked with. But I realised within the NHS structure that maybe my ambitious youngster was not going to be able to achieve my my career potential and and the future thoughts I had for myself. So whilst undertaking my experience in the pre-reg industry section... I suddenly realised the opportunities that were afforded to me as a pharmacist, whether that be in research, uh, actually manufacturing dosage forms, uh, being in medical, uh, in sales, and also being part of a a global uh, environment. So for me, that was the point at which I decided to move from hospital and forge my career in industry.
1: So what sparked your curiosity about quality and how did you end up embarking upon a career in quality?
0: First and foremost, I identify myself as a pharmacist and I chose pharmacy because I wanted a career helping people. So within the industry, I found that the the area of quality was an area where I was responsible for what my industry did, uh, what dosage forms were produced and the impact they would have on patients. And so I felt that I could still achieve my initial ambitions of being a pharmacist in the role in quality um, in industry. I also realized that I could on a daily basis use all my pharmaceutical ch- chemistry knowledge that I had acquired as an undergraduate, um, embracing in pharmacology, but ultimately considering clinical impact on the patient.
1: I mentioned that you are the chair of the RPS Qualified Person Assessment Panel. Could you describe the role of the
0: qualified person? So the qualified person for me is the individual who has ultimate accountability for the products manufactured by a pharmaceutical company, that they are manufactured in compliance with whatever the company uh, determined to be the correct method of manufacture and control, and also considering then the impact on the patient. So it is an individual responsibility, it's ultimately an individual accountability and a legal responsibility. So for me, a pharmacist is in an ideal position to, to afford this role because in many instances they, they are gray area decisions. Computer cannot give you a green or, or a red light in these situations. So the individual needs to draw on their understanding of all of the aspects that, that built up to this dosage form being made and also then the impact that it may afford on the patient and so it enables that person to have that overarching view and understanding of the, feel like the life cycle of the dosage form but also the clinical aspects related to that dosage form in the patient.
1: For any of our listeners who are interested in the journey to become a qualified person, what would you say are
0: the key stepping stones? Because a qualified person is a legal role, you do have to fulfill certain requirements that are set out for that. And one of them is that you do have to have at least a year's experience for a pharmacist in a commercial premises Uh, with a sort of quality role in there, whether that be in clinical manufacture or in commercial manufacture. So that can sometimes be a bit challenging for people, but there are ways to achieve that. And particularly with hospital pharmacists, we've worked very closely with hospital pharmacists to help them uh, fulfil that that, that requirement. And then it's having experience about understanding the ways in which medicines are developed and, and made and getting an opportunity to experience different dosage forms, and having experience of being put on the the spot of having to make a decision, you know, doing a risk assessment, understanding uh, the clinical aspects, understanding the pharmaceutical aspects, um, taking time to really have a deep understanding, understanding the legal requirements, what does the MHRA say you can or cannot do, and then it's bringing all those aspects together. So, A good qualified person is somebody that can take data and make data oriented decisions, but also somebody that has sufficient wealth of understanding that they are willing to then make a decision Um, because sometimes it's not easy. Um, Like I said, if it was easy, we'd use a computer to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, So it does need somebody that uh, has that ability to make data oriented decisions. Definitely.
1: You have already touched upon pharmacists being naturally patient-focused and always considering patient impact. But what other elements of the degree and profession make pharmacists
0: good qualified persons? Well, I think because we have, through our study, the knowledge of all aspects of science. So whether it be chemistry, biology, uh, whether it be aspects of engineering, math, statistics. Um, So pharmacists are in an ideal position to have a a good sound science background to be able to assimilate the information that they're given. But also they're then in a great position to uh, work with the other functional experts that are there. Uh, Because in many instances, this is not a one person show, you're working with a team. And Because of the pharmacist's background, we're able to engage with the other experts, whether it be a biologist, a chemist, an engineer we're more likely to be able to have those conversations. We will understand by talking to the medical teams the impact that they're referring to. So we're one of the very few professions who actually encompass the wide areas of science in in, in our training.
1: Yeah, and anyone who would like to find out more information about the route to becoming a qualified person and the assessment pathway can find details on the RPS website, which also has links and contact details. So you're head of quality UK and Ireland for Novartis, a global healthcare company. Can you give us an insight into your day to day role and what a typical day might look
0: like? Well, being a Brit, first and foremost, it has to be a cup of tea to get the brain engaged. <laughs> so I have to start with a cup of tea. Then my day really revolves around working with people, um, helping people understand why we need them to work in the way they do helping to resolve challenges I spend much of my time with colleagues in regulatory. I could then find myself talking to a clinical study manager, helping them work out um, regulatory pathways through a clinical study. Uh, I could then be having discussions with with medical about maybe a new aspect they want to look at and real-world evidence and how, how does quality fit in. It could be talking to a supply site about a manufacturing issue that they may have and understanding the impact that may have on the UK and how do we need to, to work with them. Uh, it could be legal. Uh, we work very closely with our legal colleagues in order to ensure that any contractual arrangements we have with companies, that where there are quality aspects needed, that they are also incorporated. I sit on the, the country lead team. So I then sit in, in a sort of like a manager role, um, looking at all aspects that come under you know, business decisions. So it, it enables me to then have a wider understanding about how the overall company ticks, what's important, uh, whether it be people, uh, whether it be financial discussions, legal discussions, ensuring that we are you know, undertaking our role as a good corporate citizen. And you know, today, recently, are talking about green and, and what does green mean, and, and how do we ensure that you know we are communicating to all aspects of our global company about what's required for, for the UK. Uh, so then it, it, it takes me outside of my core pharmacy role primarily but it is all very interesting and working with like-minded colleagues.
1: How do you think Covid has impacted ways of working?
0: Pre-Covid I think that in the UK there was still a a large element of presenteeism equals uh, good delivery and I think with Covid what was more clearly demonstrated was actually it's the output and the outcome that is more important than necessarily the presence of somebody face to face I think it also showed us that you know we as as human beings are definitely herd animals we like to be together Uh, people still get a lot of benefit by that face to face but it's not necessarily mandatory and I think it's shown that there are different ways that, that can be effectively worked In my company today, historically, I would have looked for people to be able to commute into the office on a daily basis. Now I'm very happy to have the right people in my team, irrespective of location, as long as it meets the tax requirements. I'm not so worried about where they live. I'm more worried about who they are, what they can contribute and how they will fit into the team that I'm running I think we're starting to see that in other organisations too. With that also, there is a responsibility though for the individuals to understand maybe how they work best and for people to understand what is the best working environment for them. I've had people that have left because they've wanted to work on a site environment and haven't wanted to work remotely. I have others that have realised that they can get a good balance and have actually probably had a better work-life balance than they had before. But I realise that not all roles within pharmacy, for example, can afford that flexible way of working.
1: I think it's very true. It's it's dependent, isn't it, on the role and, and, and how it fits. Where do you see the opportunities for pharmacists in the changing landscapes of medicines and the manufacture of medicines and how we deliver medicines?
0: Oh, wow. I think at the moment, it's an amazing environment to be in. I have seen over my my working experiences um, the move away from manufacturing you know millions of units and having large batch, batches of tablets to the more innovative and individually patient focused medicines that we're seeing today. And I think we're seeing that with the, the regulator, if you think about the point of care manufacturing consultations that are ongoing at the moment, where what's emerging are specialized Uh, more individualized medicines and this is happening more in 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 a clinical setting in a hospital setting i think pharmacists are in an absolute brilliant position here because you need individuals that understand the science but also understand the patient and um, almost having you know one foot in each camp but being available at the time these are not things are made in advance and sat in a warehouse these are things that are almost happening in, in in real time And I think a pharmacist uh, with their background and their their, their training puts them in the ideal position to be forefront in the the oversight and controls here. Because by doing point of care manufacturing, there is little time for checking. So it's having individuals that really understand the impact um, so that they can also ensure that there's very safe delivery of these medicines coming forward.
1: The regulatory landscape for medicines is ever evolving with updates of regulations and guidelines. How do you keep up to date
0: with all of the changes that occur? Well, it's a lot easier today with something called the Internet it's at your fingertips. <laughs> um, you know, I, I use the standard newsletters, so I will have all those set up. There are people in, in my team that will be collating information. I'm lucky with a global company. There are individuals that are also looking at more global situation to help me understand. And so it'll be through either reading those reviews or it will be by doing my own, my own research. My links are a combination of regulatory, but also, like I said, I'm, I'm a pharmacist. So understanding new medicines. um, understanding uh, new approaches uh, taking time to read journals uh, is still a key part i i cannot get away from that inquisitive pharmacist that i was at the start for example uh, last week i was listening to an epidemiologist who's you know primary contributor to the zoe study for covid and that was absolutely fascinating that then led me to spending many hours searching about the Zoe study and reading some of the papers related to COVID symptoms and some of the work that was done behind that. And it helped me join up some of the dots on some of the information I've heard over the last year. So I cannot get away from being that inquisitive scientist, which was obviously the starting point of my journey into pharmacy.
1: So in your career and in your studies, who has inspired you?
0: I've had a long career. So over that time period, I I cannot get away from my parents right at the start instilling in me um, that resilient mindset. I was never the sharpest one in the classroom, but I was always one of the most hardworking and always believed that if I wanted something, as long as I put in the hard work, I would be able to achieve it. That has stayed with me throughout. I've been lucky to have Even as an undergraduate, uh, enthusiastic lecturers, uh, pharmaceutical science lecturer, had a great role within industry as well and opened a world to me that I never knew existed. As a pharmacist in hospital, I sincerely remember the chief pharmacist and he demonstrated that you could be successful by having the capability and the professionalism and respect for people. And they were absolutely critical elements that he demonstrated on a daily basis. And it just showed me that by having that balance, uh, you don't have to be the loudest or always at the front, but you can still achieve. Then throughout my career, throughout that time, I have been fortunate to have some great managers. And as I reflect on why they were great, it was because they were always open and honest with me, helping me try to achieve my, my best. And I thanked them for that, although at the time I may not have felt that way. Um, On reflection, I realised that it was all for positive intent. Yeah, so it's around this piece on
1: transparency and being open and honest. And I think that's a really great take home message to any of our listeners who are at the start of their career, or who are doing some mentoring, that it's really these relationships are really key in inspiring people because you never know who, who you'll strike a
0: chord with and the impact yes. that that will have further down the line. At being honest with yourself um, first, because if you can be honest with yourself, it'll enable you to be honest with others, uh, and I think that, that can be sometimes a journey for people. Uh, but I think when you understand that, it then enables you to also take the best path for you as an individual. And in a pharmacy career, there are many options that we have. And I think if you understand that, understand what really get you benefit, where is your passion, um, that enables I think pharmacists to, to go many different routes, in, in whether it be in industry or in another area of pharmacy.
1: Excellent. That's really great advice. And just to finish, have you read any books recently that you would recommend? to our
0: listeners? I know lots of people have read it but I read Michelle Obama's book and for me it was very enlightening um, understanding the the cultural beginnings for her and the impacts that had on her but also how so many of her messages ring true even if I think of, of, of my, my life some of the things I've said today about you know resilience and believing in yourself and I think she brought a very human side to an, you know, the the USA and their political system. And you just realised um, how actually there isn't much to a human side to it, and maybe it's not all the, you know, the big cars and the the White House that you see, but uh, understanding how somebody can be from humble beginnings, but by just trusting themselves and keeping true how they can achieve such great things. I think also with her her desire to help women globally uh, and the way in which she did that, I just thought well, it was was fantastic how she just didn't use her position for her, but used it for, for others too.
1: Yeah, so supporting other women to, to become leaders and inspiring other leaders, is that?
0: Exactly, yes, yes, yeah. And the fact is that she didn't start off as necessarily... Um, very confident, um, but she had great family support and you know, then believed in herself to, to take her through that. Sounds like a great recommendation. I must give it a read. And so Gillian, thank you so
1: much for your time today. This has been great. I found it really positively inspiring and really insightful. Thank you for your time and uh, join us again next time for the next pharmacy Podcast.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the RPS Pharmacine podcast. If you know someone interesting from the world of pharmacy and beyond, please get in touch with the hashtag RPS Pharmacine on Twitter. See you next time.